Hello and welcome to the G2 podcast. Um, if you are listening to this on catch up, then this actually isn't the live recording from the service on the 5th of September. We had a little bit of a technical problem um, during the service, which involved um, quite a strong smell of burning um, and we had to turn off the electrical equipment quite quickly. And so we did the service without microphones um, and therefore we didn't get a recording. But um, I know that uh, lots of people, if they've missed the service, they do listen. And so I'm just re-recording this um, as a separate thing so that people can catch up if they want to. Um, so here we are at the start of a new year. I know it's not actually a new calendar year, but it's a new academic year. And so often at G2, we do work with the new academic year because of the number of students and teachers that we have. And so much has changed since two years ago. You really would not have been able to predict um, all the changes that had happened two years ago, we were one year into being a multi-site church. We had two different sites and they were both led by two teams. We had a different leader, Christian Selvatnam, who's now moved on. We had a different staff team. Um, it was a different location for lots of people. And in that time, lots of people have moved on for all sorts of reasons, whether it's they've finished uni and they've um, gone back home again, or they've changed locations, or they've been called on to somewhere else. And as far as I know, nobody has left in a huff, which is good news. Um, so over the last two years, we've done G2 online in several different ways. Um, and then in July, we started meeting in person, but in the car park. And since then, we've had three prayer and worship nights. And all of those things were stepping stones towards us gathering together inside, um, which we did this week. Um, and we were together in Burnham Community Centre in the hall there, um, for the first time in a really, really long time. Currently, I am the interim leader of G2. My name's um, Hannah. And over the next month, there will be interviews um, for the permanent position. And um, so we'll find out who that is. Um, and we are going to spend the next few months working through the Gospel of Matthew as we, as I was praying about what this term would look like and, and what we would do. I, I really felt like... Um, it would be good to stay in a book for a longer time than we've done before. We've never, we've never really stayed in a book for more than about four weeks. Um, we once did read the whole of Mark, but we did it in two weeks in a, in a controversial series called The Naked Bible, but it didn't involve any nudity. So don't worry. But yeah, we haven't spent a whole term just going through one book, pressing in going deeper with it and doing that together. So I'm excited about what this looks like. And today we are going to have a look at who Matthew is and just have a think about why we're going through this gospel in particular. So let's start with who is Matthew anyway? There isn't um, an awful lot um, said about him in the Bible. He's actually only mentioned seven times in the Bible. Um, obviously, we know that he was one of Jesus's disciples, one of the 12. So 
Um, he provided eyewitness testimony to, um, to the life of Jesus. We know that he was a tax collector before he became a disciple. And tax collectors was one of the most reviled professions in Judaism. Um, basically, they were seen, tax collectors um, worked for the Romans, collecting the taxes from the Jewish people. So they were seen by Jews as traitors of the faith, traitors of the religion, because what often would happen with tax collectors is the Romans would tell them how much money they needed to collect from, from different people. Um, and then the ta tax collector's job was to then go and collect that money. But often they would, um, they would say a different amount. So if it was supposed to be two gold coins, they would go and say to that person, you owe three gold coins, and then they would pocket um, the difference. And so they would take money from the poor, from the rich, it didn't, didn't really matter, but they were um, often making quite a lot of money on the side from doing their job. And and um, they were just, they were seen as sinners by, um, by the Jewish people and... Um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a light profession profession to be a tax collector. We know that he was in uh, Capernaum um, and that he we assume that his name was Levi um, as well. The reason for that is the same account is given through in Matthew, Mark and in Luke. But um, the difference is in the name. So in Matthew 9, it says, as Jesus went from here, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Um, and then in Mark 2, we see very, very similar story, but with a different name. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And uh, Luke is very similar. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. So we've got three accounts there in Mark and in Luke. It says Levi and in the book of Matthew, it says Matthew. So there's a huge assumption that Matthew and Levi is the same person. Um, it could be that Jesus named him Matthew. It could be that his, his name was Levi until he became a disciple. And then Jesus changed it to Matthew, which means gift of Yahweh. Or it could be that he already had two names, Levi being a Jewish name and Matthew being a Greek name. We're not entirely sure, but we do know that Levi and Matthew was the same person. Um, like I say, this is an eyewitness testimony, um, but there are quite a lot of similarities uh, in Matthew's gospel to Mark's gospel. Um, but what we think or what we know about Mark's gospel is that it was written by someone called John Mark, and it was probably Peter's account of the life of Jesus. So, um, so Peter's account is recorded in Mark, and Matthew's version of events would have been a very similar to, Matt, to Peter's because they were together a lot of the time. They were both disciples, um, but also because Peter was closer to Jesus than Matthew was. There will be some events that Matthew perhaps didn't see firsthand, but heard about from Peter. And so it could be that Matthew's recording Peter's account of it. And that same account is recorded in Mark. Um Matthew was a man of detail, particularly as he was a tax collector. He, you know, that makes sense. He was good with money. He was, um, 
And he wrote more about money than than we see in other gospels. So um, there's a, there's a parable of the tenants, and that only appears in the book of Matthew. Gold and silver is mentioned one time in the book of Mark. It's mentioned four times in the book of Luke and it's mentioned 28 times in Matthew. So it's obvious that's something that Matthew really does make a note of that he's interested in. Um, He's interested in recording everything that Jesus says about money. And there's also a difference in the Lord's Prayer. So in Luke, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. But in Matthew, it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so he uses financial language when he's writing down the Lord's Prayer. So I think that's quite interesting. Little fun fact for you. Um, Obviously, Matthew would have been really good with money, but because of his background as a tax collector and the the context that, you know, that they're not trustworthy people, the disciples didn't choose Matthew to be the treasurer of the group and to look after the, the group's money. Instead, can you guess who they did choose? Judas Iscariot. Yeah. So, um, that was possibly a mistake to, to trust Judas with the money, but that's a story for another time. If any of you have watched The Chosen, um, I mean, if you haven't watched The Chosen, then I'd really highly recommend it. It comes on an app and on YouTube, on a website too, and it's um, a series. There's two, um, two seasons of it, um, of episodes, which are telling the life of Jesus. And it is probably actually based on the book of Matthew. Um, but in in that, um, Matthew is portrayed as autistic. And it's a really interesting portrayal of Matthew because he's a very focused man. Um, he comes across as having an excellent memory. He's brilliant with numbers. He's well-educated. He's very good at writing, but he's not always able to read the subtleties in relationships. He's not always able to understand the jokes or the sarcasm. Um, the the group of disciples um, is shown as like a close-knit group of guys who banter and joke and they get on with each other and they have fun. And even in that, Matthew is a little bit of an outsider just because he doesn't can't quite keep up. And it's obviously that's not theologically correct. That's not based on anything we see, but it's a really interesting portrayal of Matthew. Um, and 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 he's a, he's a really lovable character as well, I think. Um, Matthew is described as a scribe because he he loves to write everything down and he's really good at that. And in Matthew 13, verse 52, Jesus said and this is quoted um, in Matthew, he says, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. I'll just read that again. Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And um, I think it's really interesting that Matthew wrote that down. And I wonder if that was quite a significant moment for him as he realised that he, that Jesus was talking about him and other scribes. And he describes um, 
he describes scribes and therefore describes Matthew as um, being like the head of a household, bringing out treasure, things new and old. And I think what um, what Matthew's really good at, what what a scribe is really good at, is is using those old gifts that he'd um, gained as as a tax collector and as being a secular scribe. He was using those old gifts, bringing that, but using that to to bring new treasure. Um, those uh, um, the treasure being Jesus's teachings and teaching about the kingdom of heaven. So he's using his old gifts to, to, to bring new teachings forwards. And, um, yeah, I think I just, as I was reading that, I felt like that was a really significant description of Matthew, although it's not totally clear that it's describing Matthew, it's describing scribes in general, but that is who Matthew is. And so, the thing that really strikes me about Matthew is that um, that Jesus called the unexpected to follow him. And often we look at James and John for this as an example, because James and John, they were really young. They were uneducated. They were fishermen. They were not currently following a rabbi and, and couldn't really because they didn't they hadn't been chosen to do that. Um, and so it was a real surprise when Jesus called them to, to call such young, uneducated people. But I think um, when we look at Matthew, we see that that goes even one step further because Matthew was hated. Matthew as a tax collector was absolutely hated. He was an outcast of his own religion and he wouldn't have been welcomed by the Romans either, although he worked for them, he wouldn't have been welcomed by them. And so um, I think Matthew is key in the message that every single person is accepted by Jesus. I, th- I think that's partly why Matthew was chosen, because he he walked that message. He is that message. He is someone that was hated by by other Jews, by his own religion, not liked by the Romans. You know, real outcast, he would have really struggled with friendships. And and yet Jesus chooses him. He chooses him from his booth. He chooses him before he's redeemed. You know, he doesn't wait for redemption. He, he calls him from the tax collector's booth and the redemption comes later. And Matthew drops everything to follow him. Matthew sees what what gold there is in Jesus, you know, what real gold there is in Jesus and in following him. And he, he leaves that booth and he leaves that life behind to follow him. Um, and and I, I hope that as we work through, we, we keep that at the centre of it, that we keep that message that we are, we will be looking at Jesus through the eyes of someone that has really had their life turned around by Jesus. And so we're calling this journey, this adventure, whatever you want to call it, as we step into Matthew for a long time, we're calling it Matthew to the end of the age. And those of you that know your Bible might have spotted that to the end of the age is how Matthew finishes. Sorry, that's a bit of a spoiler alert. Um, In Matthew 28, 20, um, those are the final words. And and it's actually Jesus's words that are being used. And it's the final part of the Great Commission. Um, So if we look at Matthew 28, starting from verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. You know, we often talk about evangelism. We often challenge each other with the questions, you know, who are you telling about Jesus? Have you shared the gospel this week? Have you have you talked about Jesus at work or at home or at university or at school? Um, but I think that evangelism is actually an extension of discipleship. I think first we are disciples and then we can help others to be disciples. We need to be living a life of integrity. We need to be living as disciples first so that we can invite others to walk with us. So what does that mean? Well, we are going to find out as we journey through this story of Matthew and we look at Jesus through his lens. We will find out more about what it means to be a disciple. We will press in more and we will grow as disciples as we do this. But do you know what? Discipleship isn't done alone. And so we will be launching some new discipleship groups, hopefully to start in October. And um, th that will be a place where we can really get to grips with Matthew in a, in a whole new way. Um, we're going to help people figure out what those groups look like. Um, I've chatted to lots of you and some people have expressed a desire to be with people that they don't know or to be with people that are older or younger or different. And so we know that all that needs figuring out and needs shaping. But during this next month, I'd love to encourage you to be praying about what your group is going to look like, what sort of people are going to be in it. I'd love you to be asking God um, who is he calling you to journey alongside? And as you pray that and as you listen, then I would also just encourage you if if the person that um, kind of you think God is saying to journey alongside is your best friend, then I'd then I would just ask you to keep praying because, you know, God might ask us to 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 really journey closely with our best friends. But um, often that, you know, God asks us also to invite in people that are unexpected um, and so I would love us all to just be open to, to what God's saying in that. Um, but we'll have lots of conversations to, to work that out. And so I guess at the start of September now, there is a sense of building again. That That's what the sense I've had for a while that we're kind of, you know, like it feels like we're building again. We're sort of starting from scratch. We're not totally starting from scratch, obviously, but but um, we're just not where we were two years ago, not not just as a church, but probably as individuals as well. Like it might be you're feeling like you're having to start again with work or um, in family life or at university. There's just a sense of, oh, gosh, we have there's lots to rebuild here. Um, and and as as I'm leading G2, that's that's the sense I've had that the, that there's lots to build and um, there's a song that I've been listening to a lot it's called Build Your Church it's by Elevation Worship and um, this song has kind of become my prayer um, 
Uh, it's become, it's something I sing a lot and I pray a lot. Um, and the, the words to it, just at the, the first couple of verses are, on Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon, not philosophy, nor the wisdom of man, all of the ground is sinking sand. Upon this rock, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. I really, really love that. And I would love to invite you to make that your prayer too. Um, if you have a regular prayer time, then please do pray that for you too, that as we rebuild that, um, that the words later in the song are, you know, this is your church, God, like, please build your church this is your church. And often that is my prayer. This is your church. God, you're going to have to provide and, and guide us and lead us. And I am here to serve. Um, but those words in particular, upon this rock, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I, I claim that for us as a church, that we stand on the rock of Jesus. All other ground is sinking sand. Those are the lyrics. All other ground is sinking sand. We don't build our church on a good idea. We don't build our church based on a location or based on um, on a time that might work for everybody. We don't, though all other ground is sinking sand. We build our church on Jesus and that is the rock that we stand on. Um, yeah. And so um, on on Sunday, we listened to that church and we kind of prayed that, sorry, to that song and we prayed that together. And I would just really encourage you to to play that song and, and like sing that for G2 and claim that for G2. And finally, as we think about building, um, yeah, this is absolutely God's church and we, we want to keep pressing into Jesus and, and leading, being led by him. But I also was just reminded that we are the bricks of church. We are, we don't have our own building at G2, so it's even more significant, but church is people. And so we, the people are the bricks of G2. And so, um, I just wonder if you are a brick in this church, then what is written on your brick? What is it that you are bringing to church? What what part are you playing in this church, in this um, community? And there's kind of two sides of that. And one side of that is that there there is there are jobs that that need doing. That's a really blunt way of putting it. But there are there are gaps. Um, in our community that need filling. Um, on Sunday, we didn't have any kids work available. The, the children stayed in the service, which is rare that that happens, but that um, was because we didn't have enough leaders to, to take the children out and to provide some quality kids work for them. So instead they stayed in and did activities. The same with our youth work. We we need kids leaders and youth leaders. We need people to disciple our young people. And uh, we need people to, to sit on the tech desk and and make sure that you know the PowerPoint works. And um, but maybe you've got a real heart for hospitality and maybe you could help to to make drinks and to serve people and to chat to people or maybe you're just willing to to put chairs out or, or tidy up at the end of a service and 
I, I would just really encourage you to think about what it is that you are bringing, what's written on your brick. Um, and, um, and, and let me know um, if you are listening back to this and, and you weren't there on Sunday, then let me know what, where do you want to get involved and where do you want to play a part in this. The other side of it is that there's, there's plenty that we're not doing at G2. There's plenty of things that we could be doing. And it might be that, I don't know, God's really put on your heart to, to serve the homeless or to, to work with vulnerable adults or, or something like that. And, and there's space for that. And, um, but that, you know, that's, there's space for that to happen, but it needs people to say, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to see. Um, so yeah, I would just, I just finished with that challenge really with that um, to ask you so that there's there's three things I'm asking one is that you're praying about what small group you could be in what that looks like um, those groups will need pastors so maybe you will be a group pastor um, I'd love you to listen to the song build your church by elevation worship and make that your prayer for G2 and I would love you to to think about what is written on your brick and what are you bringing to this community in this season as we rebuild let me just pray to finish father god we thank you so much that you are the rock that we build on that you um that you sent jesus to to guide us and to lead us and to provide us with a role model and we're so excited about stepping into matthew and and growing in our knowledge of, of Jesus and of Matthew and of the Bible. And we pray that you will provide everything that we need and more. Provide that, we pray that you provide spiritually and emotionally and mentally as well as physically. Amen. <laughs>